So one of the big issues that we deal with today is the whole Me Too movement, right? So you know, you know, everything is about how women are suffering at the hands of men, and to some extent, they're right. Um, but it's an interesting thing, isn't it, Ari, that on the one hand, uh, they're teaching our boys and our men not to respect women whatsoever uh, by saying, oh, you don't need to hold the door open for me. Um, you do not need to stand up for me when I walk into the room. You um, don't have to call me ma'am. Um, and when you go to the movies, of course, you can see men and women fighting each other as though it's, uh, you know, they're just having a toast. It's uh, no big deal. And that's, that's fine. I mean, it, it's so normalized now that to see a woman fighting a man and vice versa, um, you don't even think about it. This is, this is so bizarre. Yeah, and you mean an 80-pound woman against yeah. a guy Bingo. who looks like he plays in the NFL. Yeah, exactly right. right. It's, it, it, it's very, very bizarre. And I, I feel when I'm watching this in a movie theater, let's say like the Avengers movie, I think, that, that recently had this. Now, these are superheroes, so you could say, well, that's a different animal. But, but even in, in other movies like Mission Impossible, I remember they talked about this. And um, they didn't talk about it, rather. They had this woman who was the sidekick for the Tom Cruise character. And she's, you know, fighting these much bigger men. And you're, you're to think nothing of it. No big deal. And, and I'm, I'm looking around the theater like, does anybody else think like this is really weird? Right? This is, uh, so anyway, so they have all these things uh, where they don't hold the doors open for women and so forth. All the things I said, including this violence against women in movie theaters. And then they're so surprised when men don't respect women. Right? What, what do you think? It, it, does it come organically, you think? I mean, and then they're so shocked, shocked that men um, want to be aggressive and predators to some extent and feel like they're entitled to, uh, to have a woman uh, and, and their bodies. Um, this, is, this is sadly, you know, a, a monster uh, of our own creation. Now, men have always been predators, but the men who have uh, been holding the doors open for women, that the men who've been standing up for women and say, you know, please treat her like a lady and giving roses to a lady on a date and things like that. The, these are not the men who do this sort of behavior. I would put it to you like this, very bluntly, Ari, that of all the men that have been accused, and some of which I'm sure are, are you know, rightfully accused, uh, but the Bill Cosbys, the Harvey Weinsteins, the, um, what's his name, the, the Kevin uh, Spacey. Spacey character, um, Charlie uh, Rich, no, not Charlie Rich, Char the, he has a show, he had a show, Charlie Rose, Charlie Rose's yeah. character, and so many others, newscasters and otherwise, yeah, right? Yeah, Mark Halperin, Matt Lauer. The yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, what are the chances that those guys were raised when they were boys to hold doors open for women? Huh? What do you think? Slim to none, right? And, and on a consistent basis, what are the odds? And I, and I put it to you that that's, you know, of course it's not zero, but very, very little chance that this is, the, part of the reason why we know this instinctively is that when you do show respect for women, it's, it's not for the woman per se that you're doing this. It's when you hold the door open for a woman, it's not because you, you think that somehow this door is too heavy for her to open, she's too weak to open up the door, of course not. All doors are open, are, are, you know, are designed to be opened by anybody, except for little babies, I suppose. No, the reason why you do it is it's for the boys. It's to get in their mindset that women are different. Get that? Women are different. This is a shocker to most liberals these days, sadly. 
But this is a, one of the great divides between conservatives and liberals. It should be that way, but it is a divide. Okay, so it, it, it begs the questions again about what makes a difference between men and women. And there are so many. We, we, we talk about this all the time. But it's uh, this, this ignorance, this decision to believe that men are, and women are the same is not just naive and not dealing with reality, but it's dangerous. It's literally dangerous. To the point that if, if these, these same people believe, Ari, that if you uh, have a, a child play with a toy gun, that they are more likely to become violent, right? right? That, that's their logic. Yeah. Okay, if you, but if you teach them about beauty and nurturing and such, well, they'll be, you know, nurturing. They'll be wonderful young boys. They'll be feminized, but they'll be, you know, much less ag aggressive. At the same time, they, they have no problem seeing all this tremendous violence against women in these movies, and they think it won't have an impact. I put it to you that, that it will have an impact. Oh, and also... Um, to that point, they don't seem to have any problem about teaching young girls to be aggressive. Right. Right. That's right. Girls, you play with guns. Girls, you play with trucks. You yeah. play with army soldiers. Girls, uh, you know, we've just Good broken point. the barrier and you can go into uh, the army and you can be in lines of combat yourself. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah, bully for you, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's a really good point. And that is somehow totally fine. But when a boy does it, well, then that's, that's, that's horrific. But look, I, I, I do subscribe to some extent. Uh, I, I don't think that, that teaching, uh, letting boys play with toy guns is going to be destructive and, or going to make them more violent. On the contrary, I think you, you make them less violent because they are channeling their aggressions, their natural, natural aggressions to, uh, to, per, to protect. That's what they're doing whether you realize it or not, but that's another story. But when you, when you are constantly showing young boys, especially in these movies like The Avengers and such, that it's okay to hit a woman, well, what do you think they're gonna do when, when they have a confrontation? The, the, who's telling them it's not okay to hit a girl? Who? There's, there's nobody out there. You don't see that in the movies. And then by contrast, like we just said, they're showing all this violence in the movies. Okay. This leads me to um, another very important uh, point and, and something that I just saw in, the, in, in a movie. Um, it, it was Incredibles 2, this new movie. Did you see it? No. Okay. It's a good movie. I, I enjoyed it. I think the first one is a little bit better, but Incredibles 2 is, is fine. Um, what I, here's the thing I really didn't like about it, is this notion that someone uh, can put on, um, you know, the, sorry, this woman, the, the Elastigirl, she is the, the wife, okay? And they decide that the best person to fight the bad guys and to, um, to, to put on the air to bring the superheroes back into legality status is Elastigirl, the woman, because the husband, well, he's just too much of a bumbler. So they, you know, the, the husband, you know, reluctantly stays home because, you know, it makes him feel very bad, but nevertheless, he stays home to take care of the kids. And so this is a message that's going on, right? The, the, the woman is smarter, more adept, and stronger at the same time. And the men, as usual, are more bumbling and stupid. That's the way uh, of what you see on TV. And, and a good example of that, of course, is The Simpsons. Um, and to a lesser extent, Modern Family. Um, but nevertheless, husband is stupid, or father is stupid. Uh, mother, uh, mother knows best. 
How about that for a phrase? Um, that's the way you're, you're seeing this again more and more on, on the TV and the movies. And you can expect that more and more because after all, women are suffering, don't you know? So it's all about girl empowerment, uh, as if it's not already, as if they haven't been fully empowered as it is. Speaking of which, we are at, on the UCLA campus right now, where we are surrounded by many students, uh, many of whom are female. In fact, the, the large proportion, the, the, the greater uh, majority of them are women. So, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't say that women are somehow underrepresented uh, on the university campus. Well, you might say, well, that's because they're kind of really pushing for women to be on the campus. They, they, they need this leg up. No, on the contrary, that's a falsity. Uh, women have no trouble getting into campuses like UCLA, Berkeley, Stanford, and so forth. In fact, almost all across the country, other than the military academies, women are far more represented. When you go to the, uh, the admissions offices and you, you ask, just inquire, you say, why is it what is the percentage of, of uh, women to men in, uh, on this campus? They'll say, oh, it's somewhere between 58 to 42 or 60 to 40, right, in favor of girls. And you say, uh, why do you think that's so? Right? It's, it's always curious. It's, it's a good question to ask. Why is it so? Why isn't it 50-50? I mean, the, the population is more or less 50-50 men and women. Why are we seeing many more women, you know, demonstrably more women in... Um, on these campuses. And I asked this to an admissions person. And you know what they said to me, Ari? Why? Because if it, if it weren't 60-40, it would be 80-20 in favor of women. Oh, okay. See? So it's the reverse. Yes. It's not affirmative action for girls. On the contrary. It's affirmative <laughs> action for boys. For boys. Yes. Yeah, exactly. They're having they, difficulty they, finding qualified men there you go. to take the They cannot positions. find the quality men and of course, willing to go to college. And of course, going back through years of the Broccoli Podcast Library, where we've talked ad nauseum about how the educational system before college is slanted to feminize students and put boys at a disadvantage and right. make you know little dudes unable to cope without the use of uh, you know sedative drugs. Small wonder women are more adapted to the uh, realities of the current education system structure it's than men. It's very bizarre, isn't it? Yes. It's, uh, it's frustrating um, to see this, especially if you have young boys that are going to be going to college or you hope that they go to college at some point. But uh, it's, it's very feminized culture. So, uh, but, but I'm getting away from where I want to go, which is that I, I want you to remember this phrase. It was a, you know, every once in a while you, you come up with an epiphany. And I came up with an epiphany and it was very long-winded. Um, one of the differences between men and women and uh, I felt that the men do these sorts of things, and I tried to explain it, and, and it was a one long sentence, and then, then I would say, by contrast, women do this, right? Yes. And then I finally boiled it down. What? Like, like Einstein boiled down everything, right? <laughs> yes. to, to E equals MC squared, right. right? It's a simple equation, but it took a lot, you know, in between. Uh, not that I'm like Einstein, but you get the idea. Simplifying. Here's my phrase. Men build women civilize. How do you like that? Right? Sounds about right. It sounds about right, doesn't it? Yes. It's exactly right. If you, if, if you were to leave men uh, alone and no women in the picture, we'd have a lot of functional buildings to get things done, 
but there would be no beauty. There would be no aesthetic associated with it. And right? no manners. or No manners. Yeah. And, and, and really no purpose in the buildings at the end of the day. But you bring women into the picture, it civilizes yeah. the, the situation. Things are much more elegant. There's a sense of purpose to it. There's, you, you get the idea. Vice versa. If you, if you only left women to, uh, to run the world, as it were, you wouldn't uh, you know, get the men to lay the bricks and to do the practical stuff that's necessary. In short, men build, women civilize. So if it was just women, there'd be no building. There'd be the endless attempts to civilize, but there'd be nothing to civilize. Right. That's right. And you know, I know this is shocking to a lot of people because, after all, men and women are supposed to be exactly the same. Right? And they'll always find some woman that uh, you know, is very practical-minded, doesn't have any emotions, uh, it's not all about processing. Has uh, male anatomy. <laughs> why not? Uh, but, but, but in every sense, uh, seems to think like a man, or the, the traditional, and therefore, you know, it blows up your theory, right? Right, yeah, okay. yes. The, the exceptions always swallow the rule in, yes, in, in the, the liberal mindset. Yeah, kind of like the, the transgender issue. One out of every 35,000 people is now a reason yes, to do it. Yes, yes, a good example, you know? yeah, yes. exactly right. Ah, so frustrating. Um, but, and, and, and likewise, of course, there are plenty of, there are some degree of men, uh, not the majority of them, but a very, um, you know, somewhat vocal minority that are very into fashion, very into aesthetics, uh, that wouldn't know how to lay a brick uh, in their entire lives. Yeah, I'm right? thinking about Karl Lagerfeld in this sense. Uh, yes, know. I'll pretend to know who he is. Yeah, the designer from Chanel, you know. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Now, you yeah. would know that. I would know that. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Ah, well, surely we'll erase that part of the podcast <laughs> later well, on. This is mass appeal. Mass you know? appeal, yes, I, I guess you're right. Anyway, so women build, uh, men, men build women civilized. And it's a very important phrase to remember. And then it begs the question, why? Why is that so? Could it be that in much the same way that, you know, liberals seem to understand that different people have different talents, right? Okay, so this one uh, is really fast, and he's got great hand-eye coordination yeah, Eddie, for basketball. Eddie Vedder can sing. Jeff Ammond plays the bass. Exactly. You got <laughs> you it. Know? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, Paul McCartney has fantastic timing in his yeah. music. Very creative. Right. Uh, right. Then, of course, this, this person is a great basketball player. Uh, this person writes very well. This one speaks very well. Uh, this one has great musical abilities. All the, all the stuff that, that's so obvious to right. say. And no one would deny that, right? People, you have to be an idiot, too. Right. Yes. People seem to understand that they have different talents. And part of the, the joy and also challenge of life is to find out what those talents are. You may not know, for example, that you, Ari David, are a fantastic squash player. Right? You mm -hmm. may not know it. And then, boom, all of a sudden you find yourself being a, a great squash I player. I always thought I had an inner Protestant in me. <laughs> an inner wasp. Yeah. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it reminds me of the movie Searching for Bobby Fischer, right? So the main character, the kid, uh, very sweet movie, by the way. Um, you know, so he just is in the park one day. He's probably, I think, six years old when he's starting this. But he's in the park and he sees some of these men, these hustler chess players, playing chess. And uh, some, one of the guys says, hey, you want to play me, you know, champion, a champ, you know, just to have fun. And he goes, sure. And he starts playing with them. And the, the man, the hustler, realizes that the kid is not bad. Hey, you're good. You, you, got, you got to develop this. Have you ever played before? No. And he discovers that he's a child prodigy when it comes to chess. Right? Great thing. And so that's an example of a kid who finds his incredible talent so quickly. Right? Many people, if you're lucky, you find it really quickly. 
If you're not so lucky, you find it when you're 25 or 35. Yeah, if or you're maybe really even later. not lucky, you find it on your deathbed. Yeah, exactly. So hope that doesn't happen to you. Right. So you you know you find out what you're good at, what you're not good at, and you try to excel on the, the things that you're you're good at. So everyone seems to understand that on an individual level. Yes. But they never seem to ask the question: Is it possible that men are good at some things, and that women are good at some things? Men are bad at some things, and women are bad at some things. Is that possible? But they just can't stomach that. It's, it's, and, and it begs the question, why do we even have a division of the sexes? Why do we have that? Yeah. Well, in, uh, oh, wait, wait, let me, yes. let's get to that, because I want to hear what you say. I know you're oh, going to sure. say something really, really cool. But the question why is a very important one. I mean, after all, God could have designed us, if, you're, if you prefer nature, if, if the whole mission is to uh, propagate as much as possible, right? Then why not just design us in such a way so that we could, you know, take a piece of our, our hair and our- Yeah, clone hair, us. Just clone ourselves. Yeah. And, and maybe put it in the ground and uh, water it a little bit and boom, up comes another- Yeah, make us, or, or make, David. make us like plants. Yeah. Wouldn't that be so much less- So much, yeah. and, and give us both the design and the build proclivities right. so we could build propagate. and civilize. Yeah. And propagate for yeah, themselves. Everyone is exactly the same. But no, for some reason, uh, God or nature, if you like, again, separated uh, and created a distinction between man and woman. And could it be that there is a difference? I know that's a, a true marvel thing to say, a, a very odd thing to say, but I'm going to put out something that will shock you. And I'm, I'm now officially issuing a trigger warning. I think on a college campus. On a college campus. Okay. <laughs> All right. I just, you know what? I'm just going to say it. I'm very nervous as I'm saying it, Ari. Oh God, I never thought I'd say It'll this. It'll be okay. Just it, can I just can I just say it? Yes. I'm just going to say it because maybe that's the best way. Oh God, I got to say it. I just, Brock, just say it. All right, here we go. I think that men and women are different. Oh God. I feel like a big weight has been lifted off, off my shoulders, Ari. I'm glad you finally I, came. I feel... You finally came out of the closet? Oh, here. God, it feels so good. Just, it's liberating, I tell you. Liberating. Men and women are different. I've said something so bold. But people don't even want... They don't want to see that. They, they want to instead see the exact opposite. Could it be that, that the decision to see men and women as the same is an effort to destroy God. Could it be? And destroy nature and destroy the ability to propagate ourselves other than through cloning, obviously. Well, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, yeah what was coming to my mind in all this, um, we constantly hear the phrase, diversity is our strength. Right? Well, I thought it was. Well, well, <laughs> well maybe it is. Yeah, you're right. Diversity but, is a strength. But, but they don't want diversity. In other words, if, diver if they really believe diversity is our strength, I they would it. celebrate that men and women are different, the black and whites are yep. different, the Jews and Gentiles are different, the gays and straights are different, right? right? That all of us are different. And by working despite our differences and combining our aggregate talents in our beautiful civilization, LeBron James can play basketball, Tiger Woods can play golf. 
I can wish I could play basketball and golf, and I'd buy tickets to both. We all work together, and voila, we have a utopia on Earth without even promising utopia on Earth. I, I'm but, so with you. But no, they just say diversity is our strength, and they abandon the, the real diversity right there. Yeah. Because that, they don't allow diversity of thought, now they don't allow diversity of diversity. Right, right. right? That's really funny. Diversity only matters when... Uh, when it's said is a phrase. Right, when it's said is a phrase, when it suits their purpose. Is right, and their purpose is usually to use that phrase to I destroy like conservative thought, where we espouse the idea that people are different and should be respected as the individuals Right, in other are. words, there's only one kind of diversity. The diversity of skin color and uh, maybe national origin, I, I don't know. Uh, but there's certainly no diversity of culture, right? Because all, culture, all cultures are the same. There's no diversity between men and women because uh, we're, all the same. we're all the same. Uh, there's no diversity between a good, a correct answer and a wrong answer of a math test because, well, it's all about how you feel. It's all the, yeah, exactly. You know, right. it, it, and, and there's no diversity of thought because you, you're, you're only, there is no debate. Right? I mean, right. that's the phrase that they always say. Whatever they think, that's, that's the right answer. I mean, you cannot de debate them. You want to know what's really interesting about what we just said? Um, last weekend, you know I was visiting some f interesting friends in an interesting place. That's not uh, germane to this conversation, but one of my friends that I was visiting is Christian, right? And we were talking about, this, uh, I th we were talking about something, and then this idea came up. Um, I happened to say to him, you know, I'm Jewish, so it doesn't, that rule doesn't pertain to me. I'm allowed to have dirty thoughts. To me, there are only dirty deeds that you have to worry about. Right, that's and he right. laughed, right? right? Now, think about this. Um, how it's almost the equivalent of extremely pious Christianity, this mindset that we cannot have diversity on thought in these kind of campuses. Isn't that the same thing as being afraid of dirty thoughts? That dirty Ooh. thoughts can lead to dirty deeds. It, it, because I've been wrestling with the idea of, look how pious the left is, yeah. or the wrongists are. Yeah. You know, I'm, even, I'm even really trying to get away from the terms right and left because they're not really correct. Well, it's just right an, wrong, it's just an equality of, of the quality of, of political thought. I mean, we, we, we know that uh, it, there's debate, first of all. We think that we're right. I mean, you, you can debate a, a topic and one side is probably right and the other side is probably wrong. Right, but I try to get it instead of right and left, right and wrong, right. I try to replace the word right with correct right. and replace the word with incorrect or wrong. Yeah. And now we have a much easier construct to visualize because then you can't be a member of the extreme right and, yeah. and be a Nazi because that's being something wrong. Yeah. Diversity is our strength thing is just a phrase and I was talking about how um, the piety or piousness yeah, piety, left, piety is the right word. It, it, it matches the most stereotypical imputation of piety upon the most religious extremists in the mindset of the, the academic left. Yeah. And it's just a weird, you know, we constantly have uh, analyzed the behavior of the left, the, the, projected, the projection they do on their opponents, where they do something and then blame the other opponents yeah. for doing it. Russian collusion. You know, or yeah. uh, they want dirty air or Racism. water and yeah. the liberals are the ones polluting, or whatever it is, right. you know. Me Too movement. And, yeah, but this is so core to it. And it's, um, I, I, uh, I, I was just struck by it. And also, like my friend who was Christian, when I made the little joke about how I'm a Jew so I can think anything I, I want as long as I don't engact on it, he actually, He's conservative, I've concluded, laughs. He has a sense of humor about it. Yeah. It's, it's incredible that 
despite this incredible piousness and hypocrisy, when pointed out, they have absolutely no humor about themselves. Yeah, they, they, they don't. Um, they, they, they have more religiosity than any uh, priest or pastor or rabbi that I know of. It's really quite extraordinary. When, when, I, when I, I mean, for example, like Dennis Prager, for, we, we talk about him a lot, but you know, he, he will talk a lot about gay marriage and he's not excited about gay marriage and you know, he thinks that it, you know, this is not the way to go, understood. Um, and that uh, he prefers that uh, a Jew marry a Jew and that's the best way because, but, but he'll say, look, you know, I'll set up uh, a gay person with another gay person. We actually did that in my family, he's, is what he said. Likewise, um, you know, if somebody is having a tough time meeting uh, a nice man, a, a Jewish woman, let's say, he'll say, listen, you know, at the end of the day, meet somebody who shares your values. And, you know, it, it would be great if he's Jewish, yeah, but um, if you can't find somebody who's Jewish, but you find a, a really great Christian man, for example, and you otherwise share really fantastic values, well, then go for it. You know, so, that's not acceptable. That's not the kind of thinking that you have on the left. I'll go even further one step. Uh, as you know, I'm vegan, and, but from time to time, I'll, I'll look at a package and I'll say, ah, it has a tiny amount of milk in it. Okay, I'd rather not have it, but frankly, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm, I'm meeting the spirit of being vegan at, at the very least, right? Yeah, micro doses will not hurt you based hurt. on your current several year track record. Right, right? I'm, I'm not even concerned about the health part of it. It's, yeah. it's more, you know, but so many vegans out there are they're so like so religious about this that oh they're, they're they're somehow offending the soul of an animal it's like okay no don't be a schmuck okay at the end of the day you're doing the right thing um, you're not really participating in the slaughter of animals by by doing this by having one egg or one dose of milk yeah exactly or it's it, you're going to be okay yeah L like what i'll go even further on um, the kosher rules as you know that the, there are strict kosher rules but what if, and I remember I, I had a girlfriend who was very, very observant in the kosher style, and I respected that. But every once in a while, uh, she would bite into something that she, she thought was uh, kosher beef, but d discovered that it was unkosher pork, right? Only to be told by the waiter that it was pork. And, you know, she had already swallowed it and everything else. What are you going to do? Well, what, 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 are you, you going to go to the bathroom and throw it up? But you still had, had it in your body. You're, of, of course, you know what? Life takes its uh, challenges. You make a, mis a mistake. You didn't ask. Uh, you know. You don't go in and and ask for forgiveness for the next three weeks. You just say, okay, I'll try better next time. Okay, that's it. That's it. That's all you have to do. But when it comes to these liberals, they are far, far more talismanic uh, and demanding and uh, unforgiving than any of the vegans I just described, uh, what Dennis Prager, as I just described, or the kosher uh, girlfriend that I just described. Far more. And they're the ones that call us the religious nuts, you understand. Yeah, we're the ones who don't believe yeah. in science. We're the ones who are blinded by our, our faith. Anyway, so yeah, they are so pious about this, and it's really, it, it's upsetting. And it, it, the, the, global, the global warming thing, for example, is a very, very good example of what we've been talking about. They, if you do not think like they do, in fact, if you do not think precisely as they do, then you're a, a heathen. You, you deserve to go to hell. In fact, you deserve to die. At the very least, you should go to jail, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, really, they're, they're pushing these bills through Congress that, that to, to deny that the earth is warming. Or because, of, because of the SUV. 
Right, because right. of the SUV, specifically because, yes. of, because of cars and, and things like that, uh, is so dangerous, you see, that we must silence you because you are hurting the planet. Our very survival is, is at stake. And don't you know, Ari, that desperate measures, desperate, desperate times, uh, call for desperate measures. Yeah, wow. And that includes uh, throw, throwing you in jail. Yeah, the, the other thing is, you think about regimes that have to silence people. The modern ones like North Korea, or now Venezuela, Cuba, uh, the ones from recent history, Soviet Union, Cambodia, Mao's China, Mao's China today. What's the reason they silence dissent? Is it really for the good of everyone? Or is the truth that these, these nation states and societies are ruled by an ideology that is not resistant to the virus of criticism because <laughs> it, the host dies? Yeah, no, it's a good point. Um, you know, it's like these, these, the weaker the ideology, the less resistant it is to criticism. And uh, that's true of, of these regimes that have to imprison people who dare to criticize the god of the government. And it's true on the college campus today and in intellectual circles that are ruled by these people who adhere to these uh, nutso ideas that are they're incredibly flimsy and incredibly weak and uh, incapable of, if you will, the sustainability of criticism. <laughs> sustainability. I like that. And, and that's the only thing that, uh, where there's a lack of sustainability. That is the only thing. And, and what I, <laughs> I like that, the, the sustainability of criticism. I, because, I, you, know, you know, like, take your no, book. No, no, it's a good point. No, because I'm just thinking, interestingly, okay. your book, Atheism Kills, we have to work a plug for that, right? Well, okay. Still number or whatever on Amazon. We were not planning this, but I'll but, take it. But you did an incredible amount of research on that book. Yes, I And did. so if I were to go in and say, give you uh, an inquisition, let's just say, an inquiry about this chapter or that, and I was questioning your research, your data, your conclusions, whatever, you would welcome it, number one, because you want criticism of your book, because it's a uh, conversation about your book. Right. Second of all, oh, there are probably three points. Second of all, you welcome the criticism or the questioning because you're flattered that someone would show interest in the subject matter. Right. And third of all, you welcome it because you know that due to the research you've done and due to the incredible work and due diligence and all that, you know that the work can stand up to criticism. Yeah. And in fact, any criticism after dealing with the potential debate of the criticism with you, first the book would stand up to it, and then the person who criticized originally would come away stronger, equipped with the facts that you outlaid in the book because you got to elaborate on them even further. Right, and instead of the, you know, it's funny that you say that, and I'll say this really quickly, then I do want to move back to where we were. Uh, it's funny that you say that because while I was writing the book, I did uh, research it extremely well, very deeply, because I, I wanted to be not only true uh, to my audience, but true to myself. I didn't want to write anything that I, I didn't want to you know, argue any sleight of hand. Uh, I didn't want to kind of leave out certain facts that would be contrary to our position. Uh, and and uh, you know, in other words, kind of prop up by, uh, by false illusion. I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted the truth, truth, truth. That's all I care about. And so I, I expected 
you know, in an erudite fashion that I would have these people criticizing me, you know, Mr. Lurie uh, lays out a foundation, but uh, he fails to uh, articulate the mass slaughter by Christians in the, in the 1720s, uh, which was totally on the, and, and many more millions were killed than he can imagine. Uh, and furthermore, uh, the free will does not exist. And all those- I like your New York Times <laughs> review of Fox Voice. I expected that. You have to bust that out more I, I, would have, I would have welcomed it, but, but instead, I get these just maniacal critics. I did get criticism, but it was just, it stopped at the title. Yeah, it's just irrational. It's not true criticism. Well, it, it's not true conversation. Because the title is atheism. It's just an attack. Yeah, the title is Atheism Kills, and they just dismissed it. Well, this, I, I refuse to even consider this book because it's such an absurd title. It's just absurd. Uh, I, I just, I don't accept it. You know, everyone, and, and hey, buddy, um, you ever heard about religion? It's killed a lot more. Yeah, that's my whole point that I'm addressing, my friend. I'm addressing that very mantra as if somehow I just, I just discovered that, uh, that atheism kills and uh, I didn't even consider the possibility of their arguments. Right. Anyway, you get the idea. So I'm done with that now. But we are talking about women. We are talking about men, the diversity uh, between the two of them. And thank God for the diversity. I, I, I will not, I, I think there's this movie they played out a long time ago. And it was an okay movie, and there was a scene where the man uh, has just lost something, and then they asked him, what will you do now with your life? And he looks very somberly to the person and says, I think I will now focus and dedicate my life to the greatest question that has troubled me since I was a little boy. What is that? They asked him, and he says, women <laughs> and it was hysterical the whole audience was laughing it was it was a little out of uh, tune with the rest of the movie but nevertheless it was very very funny and you know there's an expression vive la différence in french right you know i assume viva means something good yeah and vive yeah. means live right? Long, right long live the king right so vive la différence means long live the, the, the difference we should appreciate in the difference it's so much the better for the difference uh, we should celebrate celebrate the difference, not try to eliminate it. Celebrate it. It's good. Well, but you know, it, it, wait, wait, wait. So there's the, the double entendre that's, yeah. that's uh, possibly unintentional, which is long live the difference because without the difference, there's no long life. <laughs> that's true. That's I guess so. It literally means live the difference. Yeah, uh, not long live, but it means. But but from an English translation point of view, it means let us celebrate the difference. Okay, it's it's good. It's good. And and. And the not knowing is what's so exciting. Like sometimes your wife, my wife, will say something and will think like, wow, how did you get to that, <laughs> right? And likewise, they, they say the same about us, right? We're, we're a mystery oh, yes. to them too. Oh, yes. Okay? So, and the, the reason why is that there's so many different things going on in their brains versus the way we process information. And you know what? It's fascinating. Uh, and it's, it's worth exploring, and only with those two can we really move forward. Because men build and women civilize. And you can't have civilization without both. How do you like that? I remember once uh, when I was uh, a senior in high school, uh, we were living in Germany, and I had a wonderful girlfriend. She was my first serious girlfriend. And my, my parents needed to move to England. We were moving to England sooner than they had expected. 
And I had in my head that I was going to have this wonderful summer with my girlfriend before going to college. And they said, well, we're going to be moving in two weeks, <laughs> Barack. <laughs> I did not want to move. This is end of May of that year. And uh, I said, well, do we really have to move then? And I was, you know, I was really kind of choking up a little bit. I really wanted to be with my girlfriend. And my parents in Hebrew were talking to each other. And my, my mom said to my dad, uh, and my dad was insisting, what's the problem? You move now, you move later. Who cares, right? He was very practical. And my mom said to him in Hebrew, he wants to be with his girlfriend. <laughs> okay, that's why. And so we came to a nice compromise. But we, we did need to move. And that was, my dad was right about that, but my mom was right also about understanding the, the emotion part of it. And it was a great, great moment. I, I appreciated both men and women at that, at that instant. Only my mom could have figured it out. I don't know that I could have articulated why I was feeling the way I was. But men need women, women need men, and they are very, very different. But vive la différence, uh, uh, after all, right? Indeed, we must appreciate the difference. But liberals will never appreciate this difference. They don't want to appreciate it. They want to eliminate the difference. Why? Because it eliminates all Western civilization if you do so. And for some reason, they think that great things will happen without Western civilization. <laughs> what do we do without it? I don't know. We'll figure out after it's destroyed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is Barack Lurie signing off. God bless. And we'll talk with you next week. <laughs>